Welcome to Faith Church. Listen, my name is Steve Husky. Just want to say it's a privilege and a joy to have you joining us for one of our weekend worship experiences. Uh, we just believe every week, man, we want to declare that Jesus is the hope of the world in dark, difficult seasons. We just believe that if you'll allow Jesus to step into your situation, into your home, into your heart, into your opportunity, into your dream, that God will do greater things than you can ever imagine. So, man, we just want to give a big shout out to all of our Faith Church family. Say it's good to have you with us online one more weekend. Again, we're inching ever closer to getting back together. But until then, thanks for joining. Again, we believe that the church is about a group of people getting together man, pursuing God's presence, being changed by who he is. And so I want you to know that God can meet you right behind that computer screen. So listen, man, lift your heart up in worship, engage in God's word and believe that he's going to change your life right where you are. We also want to recognize and honor all of you who are first time guests who are joining us. Thanks for checking us out. Again, we want to say welcome to you. We believe that God's going to meet you as well. So all of us, no matter who you are and where you're at, let's dig into God's word together. Let's open our hearts and let's believe him for life change. Well, listen, we're in week two of a series we started last week entitled Heart Matters. And what we've been talking about is exactly that, is that hearts matter. Last week, we talked about this topic about God's heart, God's heart towards us. You know, if you've been in church in any amount of time, we've heard so much about God's hand, but not a lot about God's heart. We heard about everything that he can do, that, that he spoke creation into existence, that he parted the Red Sea, all of the miracles, but we don't hear near enough about really what God has, about what he feels about towards us. And what we learned last week is that God's compassionate towards us, that really we can cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. Imagine, think about that. He cares for you. I mean, we have parents and friends and family members who care for us, but the God of all creation cares about you and he cares about what we're going through. And so as we move through this series, I want to talk about not just God's heart, but I want you to know that your heart matters and what's in your heart. It matters. It can really determine the direction and the destiny of your life. And so let me ask you a question. How many of you here or watching online, you've ever been asked a question or you've ever asked the question, hey, what are you looking at? Now you can say it with some attitude. If anybody ever says it to you in a public place, you might want to just ignore it. What you looking at? But like we've asked people, hey, what are you looking at? If somebody's checking something out, we want to know what are they looking at? Sometimes we've caught ourselves looking, right? And here's what I know is typically we tend to look at things that are unfamiliar or uncommon, right? Think about it. We go through our daily life and so many things pass by or pass in front of our eyesight. And we don't really stop and look unless it's kind of unfamiliar or it's uncommon. If you've ever stepped into, onto the mission field, you've gone into an unfamiliar place, like you're staring everywhere. I know it's not, it's not polite to stare, but you see people you've never seen doing things you've never seen, dressing ways you've never seen people dress. And so you find like, hey, what are you looking at? And uh, as well, you know, things, if they're uncommon to us, imagine how many hundreds of cars pass by you every day on the road. Now, I don't know about you if you're not a car person, but if you see like a high dollar, like you see a Lambo, come on, if you see a Lambo, you're going to stare. Why? Because it's uncommon. I mean, you ain't looking at the, you're not looking at the Astro van, but you're looking at the uncommon. For me, I like muscle cars. If I see like something from the late 60s or the early 70s, come on, I'm going to stare at, come on, what are you looking at? The same thing's true with people, right? If we see somebody, we tend to stare. I, you know, in the last, really in the last decade, tattoos have, you know, like everybody's got a tattoo. Your mama got a tattoo. Everybody's got a tattoo. So nobody looks anymore. But there was a time when tattoos weren't as common. And so if you saw someone with a tattoo, like you're like, hey, 
right? Because it was uncommon or unfamiliar. And so here's what I know is true, though, is everything we're looking at is, at least for me, where our eyes go, our opinion follows, right? What catches my eye catches my judgment. Like, I don't just generally look at something. If I look at something, I'm going to place an opinion on it. I'm going to come to some kind, some kind of conclusion about it. And unfortunately, that is mostly true with when we look at people, right? Again, especially if it's uncommon to us or unfamiliar to us, right? When we have this tendency, when we look at somebody, when we stare at somebody, that ultimately we come to this conclusion about them that, right, if we agree with what we see, they're a good person. If we agree with their lifestyle, if they're behaving the way we think they should behave, right? If you don't smoke and they're smoking, right, they're not a good person or whatever. I mean, fill in the blank, right? We come, we put, we place this judgment. If they're living in a way, if, right? I mean, we do this. I mean, come on, as a culture, we are consumed with people's weight. And I don't mean just on the heavy side. If somebody's too skinny, man, look at her. She needs to gain, she needs to gain some weight. She ain't even healthy. You know, or, or he don't need to be that big. He's so bulked up. Or look how on it, right? And we come to all these conclusions and we automatically based on, again, where our eyes go, our judgment follows and we judge people. Come on, right now as a nation, we are ridiculous at the level of racism that we're looking at people. And if we don't agree with their color, we come to the conclusion they're not a good person. If their skin color doesn't reflect your skin color, I just want you to know, come on, that's racism. And there's, there's, a, there's an issue with that. And so it's, it's, it's common for us to look. It's common for our eyes to go places. But again, typically and naturally where our eyes go, an opinion comes, a judgment comes. And so what I want us to see is, and here's the question I want us to really dig in as I know what we're looking at. What's God looking at? I know what we see, but what does God see? Well, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 answers that question. What are you looking at? It says this, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Now, come on, that can preach right there. Listen, aren't you glad that God doesn't see things the way we see them? Right, we see, we see things as detrimental. We see things will never change. We see things as dead. We see things as hopeless. Come on, we see a God who sees a destiny and a purpose. He sees life. He sees purpose. He sees, come on. Aren't you glad that God sees things the way, come on, in a way we don't see them? But it goes on and really says specifically about what we're talking about. Hey, what are you looking at? What's God looking at? Again, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm just going to tell you this, that if, if it's not obvious to you, what really the writer is saying here is there's not, there's not God's way and our way. There's a right way and a wrong way. The point of this contrast is to expose our error. You know, you've heard people say like, well, that's your way of doing things. So it's almost like, well, yeah, I look at people's outward appearance and God looks at the heart. Hey, God has his way and I have my way. No, the point of this is to say there's a right way and a wrong way. And the wrong way is to look at people's outward appearance and come to some conclusion. That's so good. Well, why? I mean, why is God looking at the heart? Why, the, why does God look at the inside and not the outside? I mean, doesn't the outside matter? Doesn't how we live matter? Doesn't how we act matter? Well, the reason God is looking at the heart and the reason God is looking at the inside instead of the outside is because the heart is the most accurate measurement of a person's character. It's not their conduct. It's not how we're behaving. God looks at what matters. God's looking at the center. When we talk about the heart, come on, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the blood pumping muscle. Anytime when God's word talks about our heart, 
It's talking about the seed of our humanity. It's talking about where our emotions, where our convictions, where our, where our passions, where our, where our dreams come from. It's all from the heart. The heart is the seed of our humanity. It's, it's, your heart is the real you. In fact, we're not going to get into this a whole lot now. We'll get into it later. But your heart, what's in your heart defines why you do what you do. What's in your heart defines why you feel the way you feel why you act the way you act, why you say what you say. I'm just telling you, listen, if anybody hangs out with any other person for any amount of time, the stuff that's coming out of their mouth, the way they're behaving, the way they're acting, come on, that's all seated and rooted in the heart. And so what God is doing is God's getting, come on, to the heart of the matter. That's why God's looking at our heart. And so I want us for a few minutes for us to kind of dig into, because I think we can just see it right at the scripture, but I want us to own it. We're just looking at the wrong thing. Hey, what are you looking at? If you're looking on the outside, God's saying you're looking in the wrong direction. And so Jesus, he deals with this in Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 1, 2, and then we're going to skip down to 7 and 8. I would encourage you maybe at home or if you're here to maybe read all of it later. But for time, here's the conversation. It says, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they ask him, hey, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus responds to their accusation that his disciples basically aren't washing their hands the way this other group of people think they should be washing their hands. Come on, it's under warm water. Get between the fingers, lather for 30 seconds under running water, and it has to be hot water. Come on. And so Jesus has this conversation, but then he says this to these these religious people who are objecting to the way his disciples are washing their hands. And he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. So this is about 700 years before Jesus. He says there was an Old Testament prophet that when he looked in the future, God showed him you guys. And here's what he said. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See what Jesus is talking about. We again are still in the season of the COVID. So everybody's walking around. People are still hand sanitizing. This is not about hygiene. In fact, the word here that's really important is this word ceremonial. He says, why, how come your disciples, how come they're not keeping up with our ceremonial handwashing? When you hear ceremonial, ceremonial is synonymous with being accepted by God. What they're saying is, hey, they're not doing the right things externally for God to love them. How come they're not doing it right? And these group of people, man, that was their deal. They lived impeccably on the outside how they dressed, how they carried themselves, how they looked, how they spoke. They were educated. Come on, everything that when you looked at them, people admired, I want to be like them. Man, look at them. Look how they sound. Look how they dress. And they were an inspiration to society and culture. But you know why? Hey, what are you looking at? Because everyone around them was looking at the outside. Boy, they look put together. Boy, they look good. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It sounds good what's coming out of your mouth, but your heart's not right. Jesus has this conversation to this group of people over and over. And he says some pretty harsh things about the contradiction that happens between our hearts and what's happening in our life, between the internal and the external. 
In Luke 16, 15, he says to this same group of people, but Jesus told them, you're always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. He says a couple other things. He calls them, uh, Jesus was a name caller, by the way. Uh, not in a way that we are, but Jesus, he, he said two things again, addressing this issue, this outside and inside issue. He says this, and this was the most drastic description. We read it today and we can just pass it by. But on, at that time, it was, I mean, it shook people up. Jesus spoke to these people that looked like they had it all together on the outside. And he said, you're, he said, he said, you're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, come on, imagine a cemetery. You're driving. And we've all seen them, especially here in the South. Here in the South, uh, they kind of keep cemeteries a little more manicured than in the North. At least my experience, there's more flower. And so you can drive by a cemetery and it's all manicured and fresh cut. Everything looks good. The grass is green. There's flowers on all these fresh marble tombstones. Come on, it looks so beautiful. But come on, do you know what's in a cemetery? Like I'm not here to be disgusting or to make us think of our parted loved ones in a bad way, but they're full of rotting corpses underground. And Jesus is saying, hey, it all looks shiny and neat and put together on the outside. But Jesus said, all you are is, is you're put together on the outside. But Jesus said, listen, I don't care about that. What I'm looking at, you might have everybody else fooled, but Jesus says, I'm concerned with the heart. He says, it's like a, he says, it's like a cup. You wash the outside and you leave the inside filthy. Well, who wants to drink out of a dirty cup? I don't care how clean the outside is. I want to know what's, what's the inside look like. And Jesus is saying, that's my heart. That's my passion is what's not on the outside, but what's on the inside. And so really he's saying, he says, you don't have a hand issue. You got a heart issue. You can wash your hands all day long until, you're, until your skin cracks and peels. You can put your hand under a microscope and there'll be no microbial left on it. But what's in your heart? I know what people are looking at, but God says, I'm looking at your heart. And there's a contradiction between what's coming out of your mouth and what's in your heart. Your lips, they sound good. You're singing praises and you're quoting scripture. Come on, have you ever had a contradiction with what's in your heart? And what's in your life? I mean, I, all of us have. I, I know I've been, in, I've been in those situations where, where I have an issue with somebody. And I know the right thing is I, don't, I, I wanna talk about them. Come on, be honest, sometimes I talk about them. But honestly, it's not the right thing to do. So come on, I bite my tongue. But isn't it crazy? Why do, when, they, when you have an issue with somebody, when you're mad at somebody, when you're bitter with somebody, when you have an issue with somebody in your family or a coworker, why is it we bite our tongue rather than adjust our heart? See, we're like, well, I just better not say that. Well, why don't we deal with the, the issue? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. And so here's what's crazy is if you're taking notes, we make adjustments to our actions based on what's acceptable. So if what's acceptable in culture, what's acceptable, like we're just gonna keep adjusting our actions. And Jesus is saying this group of people that he's having this conversation with, they could not have adjusted their actions anymore. They were pretty much perfect as far as other people could tell. But Jesus said, man, the issue's the heart. Think about this. I, I know probably this has not happened to any of us watching, but I think we've seen this on the news all the time. Uh, there's, you know, some person, they're interviewing somebody that they just found out the neighbor, the next door neighbor is like this. He's a serial killer or like something really crazy. And they always stick the microphone and they're like, so what did you, did you know, Mr. Thomas? 
Yeah, well, he's been my neighbor for 14 years and he was the best guy. He was a good neighbor. He helped mow my lawn when my mom was sick. You know, and it's like, well, why? Come on, I know we don't know the serial killers, but it's the point what Jesus is saying is because these people have learned to acclimate their actions instead of adjusting their heart. How about you deal with the heart like I shouldn't kill nobody? rather than trying to fit into society. It's, again, it's that challenge. And come on, all of us sitting here, all of us watching, we have a contradiction. We have a conflict between what's in our heart and what's in our life. And for most of us, we keep trying to adjust our actions. If I can just convince, and we do, it's behavior modification. We modify our behavior to get the job. We modify our behavior to get the date, to get the girl, to get the guy. We do it in church. I don't know about you guys, but come on, I I didn't grow up in church. So when I first started coming to church, I did what probably, I did what a lot of other people did. I put on church and I I left my cigarettes in the car. Come on, I didn't didn't come rolling in with a marble light hanging out because that doesn't fit there. So I left those in the car and I left my language in the car. Come on, I didn't didn't walk in. Hey, what's up? Beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. Like, you know. I left all that in the car in the church. I, the church I started going to, we had hymnals. Come on. So just with everybody else, I stood when everybody else stood. I sang what everybody else sang. I listened to what everybody else listened to. On the outside, I looked as good as anybody else in the building. But my heart, my heart was far from God. I didn't love God. I didn't care about God. At that point, I didn't know if I believed in God. But you couldn't tell by the outside. And see, the challenge is, man, we're so quick we're so quick to judge people. We're so quick to stamp people, even ourselves when we look in the mirror. And Jesus is like, you're looking at the wrong thing. The issue isn't our external, it's our internal. It's not, it's not our lifestyle, it's our heart. And so, I mean, this, that, that ability to kind of dress things up, that's why we do church so well and life so poorly. Because man, we just fool people and we never deal with the heart of the issue. And so, Jesus walks away from this conversation with his disciples and like they're awestruck at what they just heard. And so they want to know more. Hey, Jesus, tell us, like, tell us what are you talking about? And so Matthew chapter 15, verse 10 and 11 says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. This is so important. You got to try to understand this because it's not natural. What Jesus taught this group of people and what I'm trying to teach you is not natural. It's countercultural. And so you got to really wrap, he's saying, wrap your heart around this thing. Get your mind around it. You got to think different. Try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Now, this is crazy because Jews, Jews, first century Jews, they were, they were raised based on the old covenant law, the law of Moses. And part of the law of Moses was dietary laws that there's things you just don't eat. And so they were taught that people who love God don't eat certain kind of foods, right? They don't eat, they don't eat foods that, you know, animals that chew their cud, split hooves, pork, like you don't eat that. You don't eat shellfish. And so here comes Jesus saying, hey, it's not what's going, it's not the food you're eating that's the issue. It's not what's going in you, it's what's coming out. And Peter, who's a Jew, is like, hold on, you've been telling me I could have some pork rinds all this time? And Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't going against the law of Moses, but he's saying the real issue, the real issue is your heart. Yes, 
Listen to this. He says, then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Jesus says, don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. A couple times a day if you're regular. If not, come on. Get some fiber in you. That's what Jesus, come on. I'm telling you what Jesus is saying. But he says, but the words you speak come from the heart and that's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Again, he's saying, you're, you're, fo- you're looking at the wrong thing. And cultures told you to look at the wrong thing. And church people were looking at the wrong thing because we keep adjusting our actions based on what's acceptable. Because if I can convince you I'm okay, I'm okay. And if you look at me and think I'm someone to be admired, then I'm, I'm okay. And Jesus is like, no, there's something below the surface we have to get to. It's not what's going in you that's bothered, it's, it's the issue. It's what's coming out of you because there's a source to it. Right, and so Jesus, he keeps on going through this. If you're taking notes, what he's trying to say is being a sinner begins in the center. Being a sinner begins in the center. See, we think a sinner is somebody who does things wrong, who does things bad, who, right? Come on. Cuss, smoke, and date girls who do the same. I mean, it's like, no, no, no. Jesus, like, no, come on. There, there, there's an issue. Like, there's things we need to live out a lifestyle that honors the Lord. But he's like, it's not about adjusting your actions. It's about adjusting your heart. And Jesus has these conversations like it. And earlier he talks about this. He says like, you know, people say, well, I've, I've never committed adultery. Like I've never physically slept with another person I wasn't married to. Man, look at me. I'm a good person. And Jesus comes back. He says, yeah, but have you ever lusted, lusted after somebody? Because whoever's lusted after someone else has committed adultery in heart. Because it's, it's not an external issue. It's a heart issue. Yeah. I've never murdered anybody. Woo, I mean, we can celebrate that. And he's like, yeah, but have you ever hated anybody? Because that, come on, that hate, if you don't deal with the hate in your heart, it will drive you to eventually murder. That's right. If you're, I've, never, I've never stolen anything. Yeah, but have you coveted something? It's a heart issue. It all starts in the heart. It's the center. It's the foundation of who we are. And I know like, you know, we live in a culture that really challenges us, you know, again, not to deal with these issues, like, you know, dress it up or cover it up. Walk in and just tell everybody, hey, I'm fine. I'm good. Just, just dress it up. Just try to make it go away. Come on, just smile one more time. Take one more pick. Put on one more filter and just convince the world that everything's okay in your house. And you might have everybody fooled because you got 387 likes on your Instagram. But come on, you got issues in your home because you got issues in your heart. I mean, come on. It's, there's no place this has shown up more than in this season, right? We were, we were, we were trapped away in our house for for a month, two months, and come on, all the females in the house. Dudes too, because guys, we needed, we needed our fades. But come on, girls, come on, you had some roots showing, like a tree farm. Girls losing their mind. I got I to get out. Come on, if, if I had a dollar for every arched eyebrow, come on, we could, we could pay off the new building getting built in Lawrenceburg. <laughs> Come on, we just get enough color and we just get enough stuff and we just get enough nails done. Now, come on, there's nothing wrong with that. Come on, every, come on, every barn can use a good coat of paint. That's what I say. Woo, come on, I'm on it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not telling you like we shouldn't take care of ourselves, 
But what I'm telling you is at the end of the day, I didn't hear anybody coming out of a month or two months of being trapped at home saying, man, I really need to deal with my heart. Everybody came out saying, I need to cover. I need to get back into the gym. I need to get back into the tanning booth. I need to get back to see my hairdresser. I need to get out and replace my makeup. Why? Because we are a culture fascinated with fooling people by taking care of the outside and ignoring the inside. And what Jesus is concerned with is not the outside. Listen to me, your, your hair, your roots can be so exposed that it don't look like you ever had color. You don't have to have any makeup on. Your nails can be chewed down to a nub, but you can have a heart that honors the Lord Jesus Christ because it's about the heart. So Jesus, man, he, he keeps having these conversations. Matthew 15 is not the only time. He talks about the conflict we all feel between what's on the inside and what's on the outside. And it's not just Jesus. Jesus, he really, like, he keeps coming back to in addressing not... We address the habit issues. Jesus keeps addressing the heart issues. He says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 and 18. He says, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Now, you're like, how do we get talking about trees? Because he's talking about people. It's, it's, not a, it's not a fruit issue. It's a root issue. See, we, we, we focus on the fruit because that's all we can see. Jesus is like, no, long before there was ever fruit, there was a tree. And long before there was ever tree, there was something underground. There's, there's something underground. And it don't matter. Listen, you, you can go put an orange and hang it up in a tree. If that's not an orange tree, it's not going to keep producing oranges. And Jesus is like, hey, you can't, you can't force fruit on a tree unless the root is right. You just can't. James, the brother of Jesus, he has this same conversation in James 3.12. He says, does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? He's saying basically a certain type of tree only produces a certain type of fruit. And if you have issues in your heart, it will manifest in your life. It's, it's impossible. You, you can dress it up for a little while. You can cover it up for a little while, but eventually it will find its way out because what's in your heart will determine your life. Come on. You, you don't need, when I, when I came up, I was the youngest. We got any people here, the youngest. I know some of you watch. And the youngest were always the tattletale. Come on. I, I had two older brothers and I'm always the one telling my older brothers. Listen, you, you, don't, you don't need a little brother or sister tattling on you. Your words are telling on you. Your actions are telling on you. Come on, that's what's exposing you. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Well, whether you should have said or shouldn't have said, that's not this. You can bite your tongue. God, help me to change my heart. What's going to change, listen to me, what's going to change America? What's going to change the racism issue? Why, why we can legislate some of it, why some accountability for the boys in blue are going to help it by, by God lovers standing up and saying something might, might adjust something. At the end of the day, we need a revival of not external change, but internal change. We need Jesus to reach the hearts of humanity. That's what's going to change racism. That's what's going to change hate. That's what's going to change what's wrong in this nation is we need a heart change, not an outside change. And so if you, don't change, if you don't have a change of heart, you'll never have a change of life. You can keep modifying your behavior. You can keep trying to wrestle with your addiction and wrestle with your attitude and wrestle with your hurt and wrestle. Like, and we can modify. We can modify because we've all done it to an extent. But at the end of the day, the only way the fruit's going to change is if you change the tree. That's the only way. Only way you're going to have a life change is if you have a heart change. And so this whole message is about, hey, what are you looking at? I just, God just wants us to draw our attention back to the thing that matters. God, change my heart. 
And so I just want to give you just three things real quick. If we're going to have a healthy heart, we got to have healthy habits. So I'm going to give you three healthy heart habits, three real quick. Number one, number one, ask God to renew your heart. You're going to see all three of these start with ask God. Because if we're going to get this thing right, we can't do it alone. If you could do it alone, you would have already done it. If you could have dealt with the hurt in your life, the worry in your life, the fear in your life, the anxiety in your life, if you could have dealt with that, you would have already done it. So God, we need to engage God if we're going to experience heart change. So watch this again. Ask God to renew your heart. This, a renewed heart, is what starts our spiritual journey. See, a lot of us, again, we show up in church and we start modifying our behavior and we start sounding like church people. Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Good to see you. Jesus loves you. Come on. Not, and, and Come on. We start adjusting our behavior. We need a heart change. And that only comes through Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is God's promise to all those who want it. This is available to anybody. He says this. This is his promise. He says, and I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. Hey, what? Come on, some of you have a hard heart. I've had a hard heart towards people. And I can, I can act like I don't. I can look at you and be like, hey, it's good to see you. I'm like, oh, good to see you somewhere else. Come on. I need, I need, and so when you, when you come to Jesus, Jesus takes out that hard, unresponsive heart. When I say unresponsive, it's unresponsive to our creator. It's unresponsive to our redeemer. And so God takes out an old heart and God puts in a new heart. And with that new heart, remember I told you our heart is our passions and our emotions and our convictions. God gives us new passions and God gives us new convictions. Come on, I try, I try, I want to honor God, not to please people, not to wow people. I want to please God because I want to please God. I want to honor God because I want to honor God. And so that comes through a renewed heart. Come on, you can fake it, but you can't fix it. I can fool people by modifying my behavior long enough. I can fake it, but only Jesus can fix it. Number one, we need to ask Jesus, God, give me a new heart. If you've never asked God to do it, that's your first step in your spiritual journey. That's where life change happens. That's what salvation is, is when God gives you a brand new heart. Number two, ask God to search your heart. Come on, ask God to search your heart. Now, come on, you mm that. I don't even know if I want it. I don't, I don't know if I want him to know what's in my heart, but he already knows it. I'm not asking God to find out what's in my heart. I'm asking him to tell me what he already knows about me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, come on, that's the stank and the dirt and the nastiness. That's the stuff that you want to hide from everybody. That's the stuff, if people knew about you, you'd be embarrassed. That's the stuff that would get me kicked out of the pulpit. That's the stuff that gets you kicked out of church. That's the stuff that would get you separated from your best friend if everybody really knew it's in your heart. But God already knows it's there. We need him to show us so we can do something about it. God, search my heart. David prayed it in Psalm 139, 23. He says, search me, O God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then Psalm 26, too, I got to give you this one. I, he says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. You know why we need a cross-examination? 
because we got our, we're our own lawyer trying to justify what's in our heart. No, I need, I need Jesus to step in and cross-examine. I've, I've justified the hatred in my heart. I've justified bitterness in my heart. I've justified lust in my heart. I've justified bad attitudes. I, and come on, and I've justified it because that's how he treated me, and that's what she did to me. And come on, I need, I need, I need the high judge to step in and cross-examine what's in my heart. Ask God to search our heart. Have you ever noticed, come on, all of us in this room, we drive cars and you drive a car long enough, it'll start making a funny noise. Come on, you want to be a fool. Try to, have you ever tried to explain the noise your car is making to a car mechanic? <laughs> come on, they'll look at you and be like, yeah, so do it one more time. And you, come on, you know they ain't, they're not trying to figure it out because you ain't making no sense. They're just laughing at you when, they ain't, when you ain't around. But come on, really that noise, that noise is symptomatic of a situation. And I'm just telling you, we really need God to, to search our heart. That's true, but I'm telling you something. You already know something's wrong with your heart. My word, I, when I hear myself speak, I'm like, that ain't right. When I do some of the things I do, I know that's not right. And it's, a not, it's not a habit issue, it's a heart issue. And so God just comes and basically robs me of my self-justification. Right? And so if you got, if you got a problem, if, you're noi- if your life is making a noise, you need to pay attention. You can't keep driving or you're going to wreck. You're going to end up in a ditch. So we need to pay attention. And basically Jesus will step in and say, hey, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem or not. And if it's a problem, right, number three, once God exposes that to us, well, let me say this. God uses some diagnostic tests, by the way. Right? You pull a car and now they'll hook it up to a computer to tell you what's wrong with the car. There's a couple things God uses to expose our heart, to search our heart. Number one, God will use the word. The, James says that the word is like a mirror. Come on, have you ever sat in church? Have you ever sat in a message? Have you ever sat behind your screen and thought, oh man, he's talking to me? Well, that's not, that's not, that's not me talking to you. That's God using his word to expose you the same way. Come on, I can sit and listen to a message and be like, that's for me. Because God's word is exposing things in me, that things that are not in me that should be in me and things that shouldn't be in me that are in me. The second thing God uses, second diagnostic test God uses is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our convictor. He will show us things. He'll point things out. He'll speak to us. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Talking, this whole series is on how, about feelings and man, the heart matters. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? The Holy Spirit can, the Holy Spirit can be disappointed with what he finds in our heart. Not disappointed to turn his back on us because he'll never forsake us, but disappointed enough that if we love him, we should care how he feels about what he's found in us. Come on. And so that's a diagnostic test when we sense the Holy Spirit is grieved at what's in our heart. And I'm just going to give you this one because you need it. We all need great friends in our life who will speak the truth, who won't tell us what we need to hear, will tell us, or won't tell us what, what we want to hear, but will tell us what we need to hear. Those are some diagnostic tools. And come on, once, the, once we get a new heart, come on, sometimes we still get some stuff in us. We need to ask God to search our heart. Number three, real quick, we need to ask God to cleanse our heart. You, you, you can't get out of you on your own what's in you. That's, that's a divine work of the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and, and cleanse us. David said this in Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Now, I know some of you know this, but this is written, Psalm 51 is King David writing in retrospect to what happened recently in his affair with Bathsheba. 
If you don't know, David was a godly man. He loved the Lord. In fact, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. It's almost like, again, everything on the external looked like it was right. But what a lot of people didn't know is that one night David was up on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba over bathing on another rooftop. And so he allowed lust to get in his heart again because it always starts in the heart and it drove, to, it drove him to an adulterous affair. He slept with Bathsheba, got Bathsheba pregnant. And because he didn't want Bathsheba's husband to find out that she was pregnant, he had him murdered. Come on, it always starts in the heart. And here is after all this garbage is in him, murders in his heart and lust is in his heart and adultery is in his heart. He recognizes there's nothing he can do with the garbage in his life. And so he cries out to God and this is his prayer. Cleanse my heart. God, I, I know what's there. You've already showed me. And I need to get rid of it and I can't fix it. And so we can fix and modify our behavior on our own. We don't need, we don't need God's help for that. But to change our heart, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you get the root, if you get the root right, fruit will follow. That's why a changed heart will always lead to a changed life. The more I fall in love with Jesus, the more my passions and my convictions that flow from our heart are aligned with God, the more I love Jesus. It's just natural. Your heart, your heart, it's all about the heart. And so as I wrap this up today, I just want to just challenge us with this thought like, hey, I, 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 know, we're looking at your, I know we're looking at our lives. We're looking in the mirror. Am I doing it right? Am I doing enough stuff? And I'm not saying stuff don't matter, but we're looking at the wrong thing. God, give me a heart. God, renew my heart. God, search my heart. And God, cleanse my heart. If we'll get those healthy heart habits in order, I'm just telling you, life will begin to take on a whole new direction. And so I just want to pray with you, man. If you're watching at home and Maybe you're wrestling with some things in your heart or you're trying to figure out how do you adjust life. It all starts with the heart. And so I just want to pray, man, ask God to help you right where you are. So Father, I come in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray God for all of us that God are looking the wrong direction and staring at the wrong things. That God, you'll put our focus where it needs to be, on the hearts. God, the funny thing to me is that when you say that you're, you're looking at people's heart, I, I can say, God, I can't, I can't see someone else's heart which is the point. We shouldn't be judging other people, Lord. I need to be focused on my own heart. And so, Lord, help us. God, I pray for every person that doesn't already have it, that, God, you'd give us a new heart, that, God, you would pull out a stony heart and give us a brand-new living heart that's responsive to you. Lord, right now, we just give you permission. Lord, come and search my heart. Lord, show us the things in our lives that don't belong. Show us the, show us the things hiding in our hearts. Show, show us the adultery. Show us the lust. Show us the wickedness. Show us the, God, show us the unforgiveness. Show us the things that are hiding in our heart that we're covering over by actions. And Lord, when we show, Father, when you reveal them, Lord, I pray, God, we just would give you permission to come and cleanse us. And so, Lord, not, not just now, but Lord, tomorrow and next week and next month, God, help us to develop healthy heart habits in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees said amen. amen. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us again for one of our weekend worship experiences. So looking forward to seeing you back together here at Faith Church in Lawrenceburg or in Florence. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for week three of Heart Matters.